The programme which follows is brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM. Hello, good afternoon. You are tuned to my stop. Get here on Resonance 104.4 FM. My name is Simon Tishko. And today, Isotopica is going to take you for an inside browse on the other side. We are going to commune with the dead. We are going through the shelves, the dusty ancient bookshelves of the College of Psychic Studies in South Kensington in London. David Ellis, longtime friend, collaborator and extraordinarily obscure artist to say the least. His practice is just beyond is the only thing we can say and we're not talking about the beyond that would be studied at the College of Psychic Studies. We're just talking about beyond in a kind of 21st century London kind of way and what kind of seems sort of appropriate to bring this recording up which we made a few weeks ago is I think we all have to agree we're very firmly in the age of stupid and as we're in the age of stupid we're trying very very hard to understand just what the age of stupid means the age when reason is completely thrown out of the window experts what do they know experts what are they for what do they know i mean experts and things like that our cultural future our cultural heritage our civilizational foundations thrown out so friends in the shires can say chinky when they want to without feeling a kind of shimmering guilt coming from us urban european elites that we are here in flight an aeroplane in an apartment somewhere in west london anyway i'm still incandescently angry and furious at the very notion of brexit even saying the words that so many people are following the lead and the cheer of marie le pen nigel farage and the most David Cameron, what a buffoon, sleepwalking, utterly sleepwalking us into the shock doctrine that Naomi Klein so easily, effortlessly and spookily declared in her book, The Shock Doctrine, not so long ago, Disaster Capitalism, because that's what we have at the moment. As the pound battles against the peso for superiority, and I think the peso is actually winning, uh, scientific grants and collaboration, arts grants, and the future of millions of people who once had the chance to live, love, and settle, and move, and get ill, and get well, and just hang out in over 27 different countries, no longer can, so that, yes, I'll say it again, us liberal elite need to be punished. That's me. I'm liberal. I'm elite. Me and my cats, everyone here. Anyway, why does that lead to the College of Psychic Studies? Well, the College of Psychic Studies was founded in about 1884 by a group of eminent scholars and scientists. Its purpose was to facilitate formal investigation into the psychic and mediumistic phenomena that was such a topic of debate in the Victorian era. Um, with great courage, this group of distinguished people, some notable in science, others in the ranks of the Anglican clergy, believe it or not, defied the prevailing canons of respectability in order to proclaim to a world of increasing materialism that human personality survives bodily death and that this is capable of demonstration. 
or not, depending who you ask. I find that there's an incredible parallel between the world of Wu and the world of Brexit. Um, neoliberal politics, the focus group where most of the Western democracies have been run by about 40 separate families in Basildon, I believe, is a kind of woo, homeopathic, faith healing kind of politics and incredibly dishonest. And as we progressed our day, which was really charming and really nice and dusty and they were lovely, lovely, lovely people, yet as the day progressed, the morning progressed, because we had to start early to get there before the dead settled in for the day, the tills kept ringing. I was just listening to the switchboard and it was like, yeah, hello, college is like, yeah, thank you, 40 pounds, thank you, yeah, Tuesday afternoon, 150 pounds, thank you, yeah, it's charged your card, thank you, ching. Yeah, we can talk to dead people, we can tell your fortunes, we can check your auras, we can cure cancer, probably, although that's probably not in any pamphlet that's released now because there'd be a health and safety order on that. But what a strange one. The original, the original, the original, the original president was Arthur Conan, Conan Doyle. And it's a curious place. And as I say, we dealt with it with great politesse. We were polite, we were charming, we enjoyed. Yet the ringing tills left me with a sense of impending doom. And the impending doom turned out to be Brexit. But one thing the gentleman who showed us round, whose name escapes me by this moment, told us during World War II, um, previous dead members of the College of Psychic Studies actually spent a lot of their dead energies in stopping bombs falling on the college, which is, it's just incroyable. Well done, there's dead people. That's what I say. Anyhow. What are we going to do? I'm suggesting we all join the resistance. I have a new project where I'm intending to mic up and play a Lancaster bomber as a musical instrument and fly it across London broadcasting a sonic performance from said Lancaster bomber and then we will head off across the water to Paris where I'm intending to parachute as a 21st century refugee. Anyone wants to join the resistance, anyone knows any codes, anyone with a spare beret or you know a nice old bottle of 1942 Chateau Lafitte or Rothschild, Rothschild, then give us a call here on hashtag Isotopica through Twitter or www.theculture.net. I'm exhausted by Brexit and as you can tell I'm foaming at the corners of my mouth which is appropriate in Ingerland as we are now known, the wonderful country of Poundland. So why don't we step back in time, set reason to one side and just drift like in a children's story through the dusty bookshelves of Kensington's College of Psychic Studies with Mr. David Ellis, Mr. Simon Tishko and Jenna Hartman somewhere in the background on boom mic, I believe. Do enjoy.
And what we do here is we train mediums, we train healers, uh, and we train people in, in a variety of skills, including um, palmistry and astrology and even past life recall. Okay. We're particularly keen on our healing course, which is validated by various outside organisations and which we've recently revised. What we've found over the last uh, 50 years is that healing has become a, a central activity of organisations like ourselves. Do you think that's over the last 50 years that that's really picked up? Because there's been a lot of interest from outside with things that it's such a huge growth in naturopathy and yes. homeopathy and all of these things. Well, that's right. There's been a feeling that growth. conventional medicine isn't the answer to the treatment of, of all conditions. Mm. But we've been doing healing here from the time when we started. Gosh. Uh, and um, of course it's, it's a very pleasantly situated building as well. How much, um, just how much of the building do you have, sort of basement, the upstairs, we have everything. the, we the have, whole lot? We even have some archives in the attic and oh archives God. in the basement. What would be the chances of us going in the attic one day? <laughs> no, I mean, just the photographs and the sound of being in attics would be delicious. Do you have, <laughs> do you have separate rooms for healing? Because we're in a library at the moment. Which you're is you're in the delicious. main library. Yeah. Other bookcases are scattered all around. Our rooms are mainly multi-purpose, so yeah, even our archive room is a classic room at times. Yeah, of course. Um, typical activities here are indeed the classes, perhaps a dozen people or 18 people or even half a dozen people. Mm -hmm. um, private consultations, uh, you might want to, you might want a, a, a consultation with uh, one of our mediums or one of our healers and you might want it to be strictly private. Of so we've got light airy rooms, uh, very pleasant rooms. Can I, can I, uh, Leslie, your, your Entering into the world or other worlds, or looking at other worlds, researching you personally, where, was there a turning point or, or what happened for you personally? Well, if, if, um, I don't, if you don't mind asking. I'm one of these people who owe a great deal to local libraries and were dying out because local libraries are dying. Well, in my case, it was a local library in a small cotton town in Lancashire called Chorley where I found some books on the shelves about psychical research. Mm. Uh, a far-sighted local librarian, I think perhaps discreetly, had added these books uh, to the library over the years. And I read them as a, as a sixth former mm. and that crystallised my interest. So I, I first came to work in this building over 40 years ago. Oh, wonderful, you must have so uh, many Is it stories. interest or, 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 or get to the point, are you, are you psychic or do you consider yourself psychic? Or No, I don't consider myself psychic. My interests lie in the literature, but I, I do find the literature quite convincing. Um, but one of the things we are here in some ways is quite critical. Uh, if you have a sitting with a consultant here, as we call them, You'll be given a, a form afterwards and invited to fill it in, in which you provide instant feedback. Mm. Uh, obviously, if you spend a, an hour here and a certain amount of money, and all you get is generalities mm. or complete inaccuracies, you won't be very happy. So we we keep a very close eye on the quality. Of so the you have you have the, there's there's elements of scepticism. Yes, you personally, you, you allow for that, you know, working here, working surrounded as you are, every day, on a daily yes. basis, of people who claim to be... Well, indeed, because in these books, there are quite remarkable claims, and we have to face the fact that not every claim is genuine. No. Um, when I was young, there was a book called The Third Eye by Lobsam Rampa, who supposedly was a, uh, a Tibetan Lama. 
And Bob Sandanthan was really Cyril Hoskins of Plymouth Sandanthan Semi. So <laughs> <laughs> these these things do happen, yeah, uh, and we we have to we have to be quite mm. cautious. But what we do hope to offer is a, a sympathetic atmosphere. Mm. Uh, you and I know that as person with psychic experiences can't just go anywhere and say, "Oh, I had an interesting dream last night. I, I dreamt I saw um, an accident happening in a few days' time." That's not going to go down very well at the breakfast table. So we try to be sympathetic, but we're also cautious as well. Of course, that's lovely. Um, it occurs, if you've got all, all of these feedback forms, you must have uh, a statistical database you could put together, going back, I mean, uh, probably a world, a unique resource there just in the you know the feedback you've got from various sittings and things what we do uh, try to keep a note of is really impressive cases now i mentioned one that's quite famous mm. uh, which involved this building and a medium who worked here the r101 airship crashed yeah. uh, in 1930 a terrible disaster and not long afterwards an attempt was made not to communicate with people who'd been on the airship but to communicate with Arthur Conan Doyle who passed away um, in 1930 but to the surprise of the people who were in the sitting one of whom was Harry Price a, not related to me a psychic investigator whose laboratory was on the top floor of our building to their surprise their sitting was interrupted by the ostensible arrival of people who'd been on the airship who gave technical details about how the airship came to crash. I'm afraid it wasn't very airworthy. Now this is what we call this the R101 case mm -hmm. and it involved mediums who worked here and in other places. So we do keep a special note of cases that are especially evidential and we have a magazine which we've published since 1881 called Light, started off as a weekly newspaper. Uh, light uh, is um, sometimes called the Times of Spiritualism, mm. high quality writing, and uh, mm. it's a wonderful record of serious work that's been done in, in the field uh, over the last, uh, now, 130, 40 years. What a wonderful resource. So much. So the people who use this library, some of them are students, they're perhaps doing courses here, um, some of them are just members of the public and they think, well, is there anything in this extrasensory perception business or um, what happens when we die, is there any information about it? We generally say to people, read a bit about it before you plunge into it. Mm. Uh, uh, just don't go to, say, a sitting with a medium without knowing anything about the subject. Oh, sage, sage, makes perfect sense. We also say to people, of course, um, don't say very much to the medium. It's the medium's job to say things to you. Mm. If you say, I'm so-and-so, I'm here because I'm interested in X, occasionally that might be the best thing, but generally it's best to let the consultant develop what he or she wants to develop. And we may think, of course, that behind the consultant there's somebody on the other side who's, who has a good idea what they're going to try and communicate, perhaps evidence, perhaps teaching, and so on. An open mind to all. That's right. Uh, so there's some very unusual sections here. When I was young, they used to have a section called demonology. Wow. But we, we, you no longer see the word demonology on one of our labels when you come in. But we do still What's have... What's that changed to? Because you must still have the books. What would that, what would that go under? Well, there are what we might call um, uh, cases of 
earthbound, apparently earthbound spirits. There are certainly cases of hauntings. Uh, there are certain people on the other side as there are people on this side uh, who are rather mischievous or even malevolently inclined. We hear a lot today about internet trolls, don't we? Yeah. People who go on sites and post things and, and then they go away and have a good laugh. I can't help thinking they've been long uh, individuals like that on the other <laughs> side and they turn up at seances and they say Julius Caesar here yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or they say William Shakespeare I've got another play can you just write this down <laughs> and so, so, so mediumship trolls or something I think yeah. I think trolls have, have they've been a real problem um, ever since but the word trolls wasn't used no. uh, when we first started in psychical research uh, yeah. in 1884 well why should why should humor die when we die <laughs> no I mean I, mischief doesn't mischief doesn't die either no. uh, I'm afraid so um, there's a lot to read here, a lot to study, yeah. and some quite distinguished people have done their studies here. Rosamund Lehman, the novelist, for example, mm -hmm. um, um, came to the college when she was bereaved. Her daughter Sally had, had died quite suddenly abroad, uh, and, and she was really upset about Rosamund. She came here and she began to read about the subject uh, in our library, and eventually she became our vice president. Holly. Right, let's just make a little pause there. Some kind of operation. Gold, I think. Craig, you told me to stand up. You knew my leg. You knew it'd be okay. Yeah, I knew. I don't know how, but I knew. Oh, come on, all of you. You know something, don't you? A little. At the time I thought I was dreaming or delirious. From the beginning. I don't know the beginning. It was after the crash. I came round in the snow. Boy, did I hurt. My side. There was an old man. From where? I am telling you what I know, what I remember. I was taken to a place ceiling and lights. I didn't see the two of you there, but you must have been there. There was a jet of light. A flame, I don't know. They were using it on me. Next thing I know, I came around in the snow, and that's only a couple of minutes ago. I think I can add something. Do you remember when we were coming down, Craig? I saw something from the window, pointed. You said you saw the ground. I know. I saw a city. At least I thought I did. I didn't say anything at the time. I figured it was just what I was hoping to see. But from what you've just said... A city, an unknown city up here. Sure, why not? The world's a great big place. Lost civilization in Tibet. Okay, so we're going through... Now we're going from A, channeling, to mediumship. Right. So, yeah, we're getting to the nuts and bolts here for, to uh, afterlife. Um, uh, this question about whether there's life after death. Simon, is there life before death? That's, that's the big question. Uh, that, do you know who... One of my favourite quotes on that was with William Burroughs in an interview in his later years, and there was some kind of press conference or something, and they said, um, as you're getting towards the end of your life, you know, how do you feel? towards moving towards death 
at the end of your life and he said, can you prove I'm alive? Except that sounded like W.C. Fields, I'm not the best. Yeah. Yes, the, the, these are the, sorry, just these titles. So I'm going to go a long one. Can I, can I just read this one? Let's yes, jump out. See, the thing is here, titles just jump out. And here we've got Willie Speaks Out, um, which is by Elliot V. Feckles. Fleckles, in fact. And this is about the psychic world of Abraham Lincoln. Sounds almost improbable, also, isn't it? Yeah, that's beautiful. Sort of kind of a name. That's, that's from Minnesota, so this is an American oh. book. And here. Mr. from Minnesota. Um, unfortunately, look, this was nice info. There's actually, it's, it's, it's possibly been inscribed by Fleckles himself, but unfortunately, it's actually gone under the label of the, the due date. Yeah, Elliot Fleckles, and it's signed 1974. Um, I mean, we could just do lots of readings. It could, where, where did that one go? Because I want them all to go back in the right place. A convoluted universe communicating with the dead, embraced by the light, further up here, passing the marker, which... I'm not sure what that is. Past one. Ah, it's understanding the new millennium energy. There was a very big, yeah, there was very big. My nephew bought me a book about, was it the year 2000 or 2001, where there was supposedly the Mayan calendar came to an end and everything was going to. 2012. 2012. 2012. Yeah, 2012. It was. It was 12. Oh, no, 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 that was 2012. Something, something completely different. Oh, yes. We were going to end again. White Eagle on reincarnation. Is White Eagle, the because just up the road in Brompton Cemetery that we cycled through here, there was a red. Uh, there was a Native American red Indian gentleman buried for a long time. He's now been disinterred, taken back to spiritual homelands. Feather in his name, possibly, or wolf. Might have been wolf feather. There you go. More titles, David. Okay, let's move on up here. Uh, the, uh, the Paul Solomon tapes. Uh, obviously, I'm going to go for Great, ah, Here please. we are. Words from the source. The Sleeping Man Speaks On. Um, Can we have the rest of that title? No. World Prophecy, Diet and Health, Atlantis, Sex, Healing, Spiritual Growth, Astrology, Drugs, and Others. A reading? Yeah. A random reading. Here we go. Excerpt 23, Conductor, you have before you one, 3001, you will give advice as to how this one might enlighten himself to the Christ forces within him and how he might learn the lessons that need to be learned for the best usage for himself at this time and in this body and mind. So that was a conductor. And so on, and there, once again this one was actually signed from Cheney Walk, Carlisle Mansions, isn't it mm, Carlisle Mansions, no, I was thinking Dudley lived nearby there, Dudley would like it here wouldn't he, where did that one come from David? That was there. Um, this, is, this is an interesting, with Radical Spirits, which is Spiritualism and Women's Rights in 19th Century America, because the Fox Sisters, I think in the 18th, uh, mid-1800s was the first 
when spiritualism really began in the United States, these were the Fox sisters were the, uh, the the wrappings. It was introduced to the notion that the knocking on the table, the mm -hmm. communicated first communication with the dead, and there was a huge, there was a sort of association with um, early kind of feminism. You know, sort of kind of the sort of it was very often uh, women who were sort of part of these uh, alliances and organisations and things, which we could probably talk about a bit later uh, with Leslie. But yes, yeah, so a radical spirit. Spiritualism and women's rights in 19th century America. I'm, I'm kind of interested in that. Of course. Um, yes, uh, uh, Laura DeForce Gordon, trans medium who became a well-known women's suffrage speaker. So there was a lot of connections between the suffragettes and suffrage and, and uh, uh, this period of um, spiritualism. Is Madame Blavatsky here? Madame Blavatsky. Blavatsky is represented. Isis unveiled. Yeah. Wheels of light. The Atlantis enigma. There's a lot of Atlantis here. Reincarnation. Theosophy. Did I tell you when you had your talk at the yes. Theosophy Society many years ago? Mm. And before we went, 2008, we went in and they, before we went into the main talk, we were all guided into the library. And I was with my friend Simon Pooley, and I went up to him and I said, um, What exactly is Theosophy? And he looked me in the eye and held up the book he was reading, and it said, what exactly is theosophy? Beautiful moment, beautiful moment. So I think that reminds me of going back a little bit to the Theosophical Society, which has said this is a continuum really, is the, the categories in front of us. There are some categories here that simply would not exist at would not exist outside of this archive. Mm, past, um, past lines, uh, yoga. You would, but it's I, it's possible you might see the category pessimism in the Turnpike Lane Library, but very unlikely. But it's, it's very possible you might have had that here. Here you have B. Theosophy in front of us. Now that would not be in any other library, I suspect. Um, and as we look at these titles, you know, E religion, presumably Eastern religion, I imagine. Let, let's have a look at some of the titles there. Let's, let's move back. So, in E religion, um, towards the light, Abba Abrushin in the light of truth. You are gods. Oh, look, the people's Madonna. Probably not to do with the Madonna that jumps to mind. It's anyway. important to know that these are, many of these books are practical books to, uh, considered to be practical tools on how to arrive at certain states of consciousness uh, that, that allow, permit traffic between this and the other world. So there's sort of obviously, quite obviously, huge amounts of books on the practice of yoga in all its various forms, Kundalini yoga, Hatha yoga, which were definitely not theoretical from, um, by those who wrote the books and also those who use these books as practical means to achieve um, something or other. Yeah, the interpretation of cosmic and mystical experiences by Robert Crockle. Let's have a quick look here. Once again, we go for a random thing. Um, at one moment, 
was not only an aim of Christians from the first century onwards, it was also the aim of the mysteries. These were concerned either with natural processes or the achievement of out-of-body experiences and had no theology. Theology. David? Theology. Theology. Um, the study of God, sure. Yep. God, theo, theo, God study. Let's get that one back there. I language of birds. Come on, lower shelves. Let's, we're going to kneel down for the lower UFO, shelves. UFOs, secret language of birds, a book of illumination, healing research, paracoustics. I like that. Ooh. We got, oh, yes. Oh, wow. There um, it is. Beautiful, beautiful cover with a, a classic thing of a ghost, like a sheet ghost with very 70s headphones on beautiful sound of the paranormal okay so let's read from the back of the book here um from the chain rattling ghost of Pliny's first century athens to things that go bump in the night and 21st century electronic voice phenomena that's the evp that we've discussed in the past sound has always fascinated paranormal researchers um so this is a very contemporary book this because this mentions 21st century Okay, chapter, don't know what number chapter it is, but Telephone Anomalies by Callum E. Cooper. Beautiful picture. That looks like a ferrograph tape machine by David Ellis. I mean, as we, you know, I'm here with David Ellis and... And it's shocking how many times you're mentioned. <laughs> this is quite unnerving. Uh, your namesake. At first, Ellis was required to submit progress reports. I'm still struggling with those progress reports. Yeah, your progress reports now are job seekers' allowance, probably, or something horrible like that. So let's. I'm going to read from that there, if that's okay. At first, Ellis was required to submit progress reports during this study to a supervisor, but began duplicating them for interested colleagues and researchers. A practice that escalated. Soon, Ellis found himself posting over 250 copies of his progress reports. I'm still posting. That's <clears throat> David Ellis still posting here. And there's a picture of David Ellis, a younger David Ellis there, with what certainly looks like a ferrograph, which was one of my first reel-to-reel tape machines that I took to pieces and played with. Looking through the book here, we've got um, pictures of sound files. The acoustic properties of unexplained wrapping of sound. Like that. Yep, yep, yep. That sort of wrapping. The classic. Music in shamanism and spirit possession. Uh, spontaneous music and voices. The psychology of EVP. Telephone anomalies. That's one of my favourites. Yeah, it really. Is. I mean, I think that but would just be. Just the word telephone. I mean. Yeah, telephone in itself is there. Infrasound and the paranormal. Um, and so on. That's a delicious book. That is absolutely wonderful. And this is this is on the very bottom shelf. So we're down on our hands and knees here to find this. Meetings of Angels, Rudolf Steiner, of course, always pops up in every shelf, Rudolf Steiner. Maybe it's the only real name that almost everybody can become familiar with. It's like, oh, Rudolf Steiner, uh, isn't, does, isn't, didn't he design that school in Swiss Cottage, that sort of thing, and, mm-hmm. um, or St. John, <coughs> John's Wood. Oh, look, pamphlet. There's a pamphlet. Okay, this is, this is a reference. And this was published in 2000, so you know, it, it's, it's remarkably up-to-date. This is the Cathars, the Cathars and Arthur Guidham, 
an investigation into the past lives of a Bath psychiatrist and his circle. This is by Linda Harris. So this is almost a pamphlet, which I love. And there's a picture of a pub called the Pheasant Inn. Um, and this is near Massenthwaite Lake in Cumbria, where Gurdon first visited with his mother in the age, at the age of seven in 1916. And it's a feeling that this, this, this study requires a pamphlet. I mean, <coughs> certain things you have to have a pamphlet. Mm, a mm, book mm. is going for taking things far too, too far. Do you, do you, I mean, I have a sense with, in our adventures and journeys through archives, uh, the overwhelming quantity of archive material. Um, I mean, just here, every shelf, I mean, how many books a year does one read in the 21st century? How many photographs, when we went to the Getty Library, endless, endless, endless corridors of boxes and shelves and catalogues and negatives and drawers and cases and, in my case, um, the metal case with my brother's archive in and every single one you open up and there's another world in there, almost a complete world. So archives, material, evidence, um, speculation, like speculation, yeah. Rather I think the speculation here is overwhelming and, and, mm. and it, you may enter, you, you, you enter as a skeptic or not, but either way, whatever happens, something changes in here, you're prepared um, in, the ways, in the same way that Leslie was talking about, you're prepared to consider um, that yeah. which is actually, you're thinking, well, this is utter nonsense. It's all about, but it's all you, about considering, it's considering. considering. Yeah. Nice, nice, uh, um, little diagram here um, and these are hand-drawn diagrams it says key worn by how would you pronounce that Puerlia yeah Puerlia and in the middle ring worn by Roger by Roger <laughs> um, yeah right I'm gonna just consider for a second here because I think the battery sign just flashed up on the recorder it does occasionally yes okay um, Storyteller's been dreaming about it long enough. Why should it be true? Sharon, you better check those bugs again. We gotta get moving. Just like that. Yeah, just like that. We started a job, now we got a chance of finishing it. Craig, whatever's happened here, more than our bodies are patched up. You know that. I know we haven't talked about it, but we all know something's happened. We're different. We're very different. We'll finish the job we started out to do. What about us? We're on borrowed time anyway. We should have died here. Maybe we did die. We can't just leave it like that. No? No, we've got to look for these people, find their city. Why, have you changed your mind? Don't you think these bacteria experiments by the Chinese count for anything anymore? Craig's right. The UN need this information. They need it badly. Well, like you said, we should be dead. They wouldn't have got it then. Oh, I know what you're saying. I knew the score. I, I was prepared to die if we had to. But this isn't the same. We're important. What happened here comes first. We'll still get back. Are they okay? Okay, Richard, you do what you want. Sharon and I have made up our minds. All right, you go. No more argument. Maybe we'll meet up later. I'm sure we will. I'll see you, kiddo. Goodbye, Richard. Bye, Sharon. Hey. Good luck.
There's no possibility of coming to any conclusion because it's only really just begun. I mean, you've been, Clive, you've been here for, as you say, quite some time. We've arrived, we, we brought out a book, for example, um, where Julius Caesar came up again as the uh, one of the sort of choice, you know, if something's going to come through, it might well, it might have been Julius Caesar. Is it, do things go in fashion, are there sort of phases and where, where, for example, people suddenly uh, choose to be this person or that person in terms of communication for the dead? Yes, there are. Uh, you can well imagine, for example, that when Conan Doyle passed away in 1930, there were a lot of people who said, oh, in my home circle for mediumship last night, Conan Doyle came through, because he was very much in the public eye. There were also fashions for types of communicators. In the early 1950s, there were quite a lot of communicators who claimed connections with flying saucers and said that the space people were going to arrive quite soon. But a hundred years before, when the Theosophical Society uh, was founded, there were mediums who were bringing through supposed messages from the masters, um, which Madame Lavatsky wouldn't be too happy about, because um, she said they were living people and not spirits. So, uh, And now, uh, at this very time, in the early 21st century, angels are very much in fashion. So... Um, if you're a medium, you might have communications with those who have died, um, but um, somebody else may say, ah, well, I'm in touch with angels, and my communications are superior. Can I ask you, sorry to interrupt, about communications, uh, uh, do you, have you had people, or are there people you know who are working with the internet, for example, sort of a communication via the internet? Oh, yes, yes. In fact, there are mediums here who give consultations via Skype, for example. Um, there were a lot of mediums for many, many years of tape-recorded communications, what we might call postal uh, messages and so on. So the latest technology is certainly being employed uh, in, uh, in mediumship. Is there a phenomenon, as we've seen with EVP, is there an equivalent with the internet that people are finding uh, rather than using it as a medium, like you say, there where they're doing readings over Skype, is there a phenomena where there's psychic phenomena appearing as part of the internet? So, is it other people seeing that as a channeling source? I've, yes, not, I've not heard of that. Such phenomena are certainly being reported, but whether they're being verified, yeah, precisely yeah. because it is the internet, it's very difficult, of course, of course. to verify the source of a communication. Um, but there are lots of people who are interested in using the latest technology. Mm. Hitherto, what has happened? happened is that people have been building <laughs> machines to communicate with the spirit world for over 150 years but hitherto a human medium always seems to be necessary perhaps a machine helps but a human a human instrument has not been dispensed with is it is, was that my imagination or have you got examples of machines and tools and things here have we we have uh, traditional things like planchettes and Ouija boards here, um, which were used um, in the early days. What is a planchette? Um, a planchette is um, a, a small wooden, usually wooden, instrument that moves around. Uh, you may fix a pencil in it, uh, and it moves around, and perhaps it will write things out. Now, you usually have with it a, a list of the letters of the alphabet and that the planchette will move and point to particular letters. Now, this is a rather slow means of communication. Uh, people sometimes used it in the early part of their psychic development and then they might move on later to trance and they might move on later still to conscious mediumship of some kind. 
Uh, incidentally, there are Ouija boards around which are in French, that really are um, using, because naturally they were used in different countries and so on. In our exhibition in January, we had, an exi we had an, a special exhibit of planchettes. There's also something that was used in physical sales, it's called the trumpet. The trumpet? Now, it's not a musical instrument, mm. it's actually a megaphone, usually made of aluminium, which in a dark sounds, which was much more fashionable in the olden days, would rise up as the psychic forces that were unleashed cause it to rise up. And if it had luminous paint on it, of course, you could see it moving around. Now, we do have members who in quite recent times have sat in circles where the trumpets have spun around. But as I say, it's not a musical instrument. But I do wonder what archaeologists will say 2,000 years from now and they find written references to trumpets and they'll conclude yeah. that people played music at, at seances. So, so the trumpets would be like horns? The ones that are used are just megaphones basically. Okay, They're yeah, cylinders yeah, which usually made of aluminium, occasionally yeah. made of cardboard. Mm. We have quite a few here. That's interesting. But we work um, with a gentleman who records on wax cylinders mm. and he's got a fantastic collection of megaphone things because you actually record through the megaphone. Some of them are like over two metres long. Beautiful. There's an expert called Brandon Hodge who lives in, in uh, Austin in Texas and has a vast collection of uh, machines for communicating with the spirit world, ranging from planchettes uh, uh, and major